stand still and consider. In this present age, what is the most insidious threat to our spiritual lives? The spiritual life of each one of us. Physical torture and persecution are not a present threat in Western countries. So is the most sinister threat the persecution of the mind? Or is it the tolerant spirit of society that accepts every view and every lifestyle? Or is it issues within the brotherhood which mean that many become disheartened? Or is the most insidious threat something else? Something more subtle, seemingly innocent on the outside, but which, in fact, can risk a gradual decline towards spiritual death? Is the most deceptive threat the gradual strangulation of our time for God by the so-called demands of work, study, family, friends, entertainment? And hobbies. We often think, I have got so much on, I'm not really sure I can afford the time to go to Bible class. I can't really have brothers or sisters over to my house because I don't have time for all the preparation. Life is really busy right now. I'll catch up with my family, natural and spiritual, later. We can often feel extremely time poor. The pressures on us make us feel that we must give 60 hours a week to our career, use 20 hours to see other people, and claim a precious 10 hours to pursue our hobbies. Even our spare time can be so easily squandered that at the end of a Saturday we can sometimes look back and think, we haven't even done a reading today. We need to take time to be still, to stand still, and consider the works of our God. We need to step back from the minutiae of our lives to see God's grander plan. Taking time away from the other pressures of life is how we will avoid this insidious threat that is the suffocation of our time for God. As children of the living God, we need to give time to the relationship with our Father. So, how do we stand still and consider? Quietening body and mind, and what might be driving us to stay busy? Elihu, in his speech which has the purpose of preparing Job for the later speech of God out of the whirlwind, says to Job, Hearken unto this, O Job, stand still and consider the wondrous works of God. In Job 37 verse 14. Job has been busy debating with his friends, busy trying to justify his life, his actions, defending his integrity. But he now needs to stop and be still. He had been using his own voice so much that he had neglected hearing and pondering the voice of God instead. The other three friends, Eliphaz, Bildad and Zophar, had tried to explain God's actions toward Job, but had not done so correctly. As it says in chapter 42 verse 7, Ye have not spoken of me the thing that is right. There is, on the other hand, no condemnation of Elihu. The three friends were three other voices that were impeding Job from standing still and considering God. These three voices momentarily stood still themselves during Elihu's speech. The Hebrew for stand still can mean to cease, dwell or remain. In this idea we have echoes back to Genesis 2 verse 1 to 3 and God resting on the seventh day. From this we also have the idea of the Sabbath, to cease from doing one's own work 
and to consider the work of God. What has been the focus of Elihu from chapters 32 to 37? Is it not on the character of God himself? Surely thou hast spoken in mine hearing, and I have heard the voice of thy word, saying, I am clean without transgression, I am innocent, neither is there iniquity in me. Behold, he findeth occasions against me, he counteth me for his enemy, he putteth my feet in the stocks, he marketh all my paths. Behold, in this thou art not just. I will answer thee, that God is greater than man. Why dost thou strive against him? For he giveth not account of any of his matters. The purpose and perspective of Elihu's speech is answering why God is greater than man. In the words, stand still and consider, do we not have the overall purpose of Elihu's speech? Job is speaking unjustly, and so should stand still, while Elihu expounds the greatness of God for Job to consider. In the case of Job, he was not being still, because he was so caught up in defending himself and his own actions, caught up trying to prove himself to his friends. Applying this to ourselves, are we caught up in this life trying to prove ourselves? Are we taking extra hours at work to prove ourselves to our boss? Are we proving our diverse skill set through many extracurricular activities? Are we forever taking time to prove that we can maintain a level of fitness? Are we proving ourselves in the home, to our spouse, to visitors? Or maybe our busyness is more mental. Maybe we have constant thoughts. How do I advance my career? How should I act in this situation to best represent myself? The motivation for other people to view us well can drive us to greater and greater lengths, physically and mentally. When Elihu says, consider the wondrous works of God, what in particular did he want Job to consider? At the beginning of the section, chapter 36, verse 26, to chapter 37, verse 24, Elihu says that God is great, and we cannot truly know his ways. Similarly, at the end of the section, Elihu says that we cannot find out God. Despite the fact that we can never have a full comprehension of the Almighty, his ways, his power, his works. Elihu still counsels Job to consider the wondrous works of God. Why? To give him perspective. By stopping and considering our God, we can have a refreshed perspective on our true nature, on our position before God, on how God is right and just, and how only through his grace can we be counted as righteous. With every consideration, every lesson learned, we develop a greater picture of our God, even though we cannot fully find him out. He has revealed all we need to know. We can all fit into the category of Job and spend so much time on proving ourselves through our myopic, microcosmic lens. We need to take a moment now to stand still. How much of what we do is about proving ourselves? How much of life is caught up in pursuits for self, caught up in our family, our work, our ecclesia, that we fail to see the bigger picture? When we are still and consider our God, we realise how unimportant the praises that we receive of men, and instead, how important the praises that we give to our God. When we are still and consider, 
we realise that we cannot justify our actions, or vindicate our integrity, or proclaim our own righteousness through works of our own. But we appreciate how much God has forgiven by his grace and imputing righteousness to us. There are other times in scripture where people are told to be still for the purpose of considering the works of God. Such an occasion is when the children of Israel came out of Egypt in Exodus chapter 14. The Israelites were in a moment of distress and panic. Blaming Moses and thinking they were about to die, they were wishing they were slaves again. They were being pursued by the horses and chariots that were drawing nigh. Of all the times for standing still, this naturally would not be one of them. They were running for their freedom and even their lives. The reason for standing still here was that they might see the salvation that God would bring about that day. God would fight for them, and as a response, there would be no cries of distress and anguish, but the people would hold their peace. This situation is similar to Job. Previously speaking much, but after being confronted by God, Job says in chapter 40, Behold, I am vile. What shall I answer thee? I will lay my hand upon my mouth. Once have I spoken, but I will not answer. Yea, twice, but I will proceed no further. In the case here of Israel leaving Egypt, they were told to be still because they were fleeing the armies of Egypt. Are we running full pelt because of something following behind us? Are we seeing our age in the rearview mirror and are worried about completing our bucket list? Are we living fast-paced because of financial burdens that are encroaching, mortgage, personal loans? Are we pursued by regret and guilt that drives us to fill our time to prevent the same mistake happening again? Are our minds busy with worry for any reason, including those above? In taking a moment to pause, to be still, we realise that whatever our worries are that drive us forward to prevent them from catching up with us, they mean nothing to God. When we consider him for all that he is, for all that he can do in an instant, for all the worries that he can dissipate, for all the guilt that he can remove, for all the harsh bosses that he can promote or demote, for all the burdens he can eradicate. We realise that we need to lay aside any burden that easily besets us and run the spiritual race instead. Another occasion of being still is in the time of Jehoshaphat in Second Chronicles chapter 20. An army of Moabites, Ammonites and other nations had come against Jehoshaphat to battle. They ask help of the Lord and the answer comes by Jehaziel. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. An army was before them, ready to fight, plunder, destroy everything they held dear. And the word comes from God that they were not going to fight this battle. Again, naturally speaking, it is an incredibly odd time to stand still. There were preparations to be made, battle plans to be drawn up, as well as manoeuvring soldiers and getting supplies. Would they just stand there as the enemy approached? But they were going to see how the Lord was going to cause the enemy to fight amongst themselves. The mixed confederacy of verse 1, although giving them superior numbers, would end up contributing to their demise, because the hand of God made it so. In the case of Jehoshaphat and his army, when it came to preparing and fighting a battle ahead of them, 
In this instance, they were told to be still. Are we so busy because we are always preparing for the next thing? Do we have continual work or university assignments to prepare for? Do we always have to prepare for constant work meetings? Are we always preparing in the home for the next set of visitors or the school uniforms to be ironed? Are we forever giving thought to the next ecclesial duty? Perhaps, no matter how organised we are, there is never enough time to fully prepare for anything. Perhaps our mind is continually in racing mode, mentally preparing us for upcoming tasks, things that must be done, people spoken to, what to say, what not to forget. Upcoming deadlines can be a huge motivator for staying busy and focused, but that can be on matters that are nothing to do with the God we serve. When we stand still and consider, we realise that any preparations we do are only in our own strength, and that the God of heaven can prosper our plans or dispose of them. When we stand still and consider, we can pause to take stock of the enemy, of sin, and come to grip with some flaws and weaknesses. We start to see the jobs of the world as they really are. Do you remember as a child being told to be still, when you would rather carry on bouncing off the walls? Surely you have often witnessed the scene where the child is full of energy, and you are encouraging them to sit still. And this can be us, when we are seeking to stand still and consider. We can be like that child, itching to get going, our minds racing with ideas or worries, exhausting us. We could try to stand still for five minutes, while not considering our God at all, instead considering the to-do list in the back of our mind. We need to have the discipline to make something out of doing nothing, i.e. having the discipline to be still and devote our minds to spiritual things rather than our own reputation or the worries of the past, or preparation for the future. Often our retired older brothers and sisters can be a great example for how to be still and consider. We also have the other extreme. We can enjoy being still, sitting still, standing still, but we allow our discipline to wear thin. Do we really think that we can be still and focus on reading through the entire Bible in one sitting? Most people probably would feel tired by just thinking about such a task. We need to be reasonable. We can have discipline to concentrate for shorter periods of time, and in those moments we should have something specific on which to focus, like a passage, a theme, a character. The exhortation of God through Elihu is not to live our lives doing nothing, but to make sure that we have moments when we can be still and consider our God. Stand still and consider is tied up with the spiritual concept of meditation. Meditation is the turning over of scripture in the mind. It is the dedication of time and thought to the way of God. It is the removal of all else from the mind and the filling of it with considerations about the truth. Why do we think we need to be so well-versed, researched up to the hilt, with an impossibly photographic memory, in order to come up with gems from the word of God and great points about how to live in godly ways. Sometimes all we need to do is quieten our minds. The Psalms are a collection which are really meditations of the author about their faith. Psalm 46 is such of the sons of Korah. And in Psalm 46 there is something specific on which they were meditating. How God 
is a refuge. And after verses 7 and 11, where we have the mention of the refuge, we have the word Selah. If there were any doubt that the Psalms were a form of being still and considering, we are left with no uncertainty when we have the word Selah. It is the word meaning to pause. It occurs 71 times in the book of Psalms, and the only other place it is used is in Habakkuk, where it occurs three times in the prayer, song or psalm of Habakkuk in chapter 3. The Psalms are not only the meditative, quiet, still reflection of their author, but also a tool for others reading them. Our theme comes out clearly in verses 8 to 10 of Psalm 46. Come, behold the works of the Lord, what desolations he hath made in the earth. Be still, and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen, I will be exalted in the earth. Despite the personal trouble of verse 1, the geographical trouble of verses 2 to 3, the national trouble of verse 6, God would be a refuge and a strength. Despite the unrest and war in the earth in verse 9, God would be exalted. The psalmist speaks of this trouble in terms of movement, the earth moving, the waters being troubled, mountains shaking, heathen raging, kingdoms moving. And the disciple is to be still, despite the movement around him. Whatever the state of the world, no matter how troubling something like a pandemic might be, however many changes we might hear daily from SA Health, we need to make sure we have moments of being still and considering our God and his purpose. The state of the world is no excuse for us not to be still. Do we take moments in every day to consider our God? Is it only weekly on a Sunday morning? Do we always have something else on our mind on Sunday morning, distracting us, meaning that we do not really follow the exhort? When we take the emblems, do we quieten the raging tumult of tasks for which we have to prepare for the coming week? These distractions are all too easy if we are watching the meeting virtually. We need to make time in our busy physical and mental schedule for being still and considering our God. We should not just squeeze a reading in, but give time to the scriptures. Some people may work better with a routine. Others may sit down for a peaceful 30 minutes when they can. Let us not be so caught up with the pace of life that we neglect our considerations and meditations upon the hope that we have. Maybe we are most like Job, seeking to prove ourselves and so failing to be still. Maybe we are like Israel and have our own personal Egypt on our back, chasing us to make sure we keep running. Maybe we are most like Jehoshaphat and his army and see the imminent battle nearing and are constantly working to prepare for what lies ahead. Job had to learn that God was not some unreasonable tyrant, but instead realised God's supremacy. I know that thou canst do everything. Israel had to learn that God, not Moses, had brought them out of Egypt, and he would cause them to triumph. Likewise with Jehoshaphat and his army, they would learn that it is not their battles but God's. The fear they all experienced was changed by considering and beholding God. Their fear changed into an awe and a love for God. Shouldn't we expect busyness in the last days with many running to and fro, as in Daniel 12? 
But Hebrews 12 says that instead of running in this life's race, we should be running the spiritual race. A race not to be run with immense speed, but with patience. A race that requires us to lay the burden of our life to one side. We cease from shouldering our burden and stand still, considering the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 3 verse 1 says, Consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. We are commanded to take time each week to be still, and consider our Lord and examine our lives following his example. In our Lord, we see an example of one who took time to go into the mountain, apart from the multitudes, to pray to his God, to consider his God and the will of his God. Our Lord, who commanded the wind and the waves, peace be still, commands us to consider him in the moment of still remembrance on a Sunday morning. So may we examine ourselves and ponder, compared to Christ, how often do I take a moment to be still and consider the ways of my God. Mm-hmm.